Welcome to the Musicians Insider, and today we have a special Thermo episode with none other than my good old friend Graham McCatrick from Ottawa, who used to be the lead singer of nothing else than Thermo Klein, this band we were in for years. I've got lots of paraphernalia kicking around, a lot of fun, but today we're That is fun. That is fun. We're going to catch up. You? It's you on there, right? That was your yes. favorite bovine club there in Toronto, as I recall. That's that's me at the bovine sex club looking at my amp, trying to get it to work. <laughs> Canadian Music on? Week, 1999. That's when that was. Unreal. Seems like, seems like not yesterday. We look, you look the same. That's a, that's awesome. Thank you for saying that. I've put a lot of work into a lot of skincare products. No, I'm joking. <laughs> you look thin, you look a little thinner if anything oh okay good good yeah um maybe, your ear, maybe it's just your ears are bigger <laughs> nose is getting bigger ears are getting i don't know who knows i got a haircut i don't know i feel you yeah i'm still with the spikes yeah i think when i turned 40 i lost the spikes i thought i had to grow up at that point or something i don't know but you keep rocking them never you grow up <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have a lot of thermo stuff around because I thought it was just fun to have it. Like, look at this stuff. Look it's crazy. This. I know. I mean, what it, those are the times. days. It was so great to see Andrew LaMarche on Canada Day as well. Oh, yeah, that's cool. I also have this guy. Like, this is like. Oh, that's first so funny. That's uh, pre-Andrew. Yeah, I think I remember they put that up in various pubs and such or along Elgin Street in Ottawa. Yeah, I think I made it in Photoshop at Nortel. <laughs> as an independent musician you know you gotta bootstrap it you gotta just get it out there well that's and that's one of the thing and that's the purpose of today's uh musicians insider podcast it's i know you have a lot of experience now in the in the world of music there's a lot of things in pr and we want to give just you know some advice to new artists that are trying to figure out how the hell to break through in today's day and age and one of the biggest things I've heard was you just have to be really big on social media. Well, how the hell are you supposed to be really big on social media if you don't have your shit together before that? So um, I'd love to talk to you about many things. I know you said you had some questions you want to ask me too. So we can do whatever you feel. I'm pretty easy going. I've been at the beach for the last three hours. So don't rub it in. Don't rub it in. You've got a video, an album, you had all kinds of things coming up. So I figured well, why don't we flip the script a little bit? I'll interview you a little bit, and then we can flip it back, whatever you want to do. All right, as long as we don't use the words flip the script anymore. Okay, yeah, we that's, that's just, who am I? I don't know. See, what am already, I already I'm used to the back and forth, like the pure <laughs> jokes. and the. We actually used the word thermodecline on Canada Day. It was pretty funny. Good. <laughs> do Good. you remember the there definition? A... The definition of it? Official thermocabulary? Oh, you have an official definition? Sure, yeah. It was sliding down the slippery slope of dumbing it down while chimping it up or something <laughs> some crazy language crazy language nobody yet ever understood except for maybe you and me i don't know and yorksa i think that day but that was so uh, funny. oh my lord so okay um, so you've got what do you got you gotta you gotta let's start with the video let's just start with the video are, you, are we allowed to talk about the video well okay so it's not i it's done as of like last week and we got yeah. the final copy of it so we have it and we're going to release it the album is going to probably drop august 6 but we're still working on a few details i'm not 100 percent sure how we're gonna like have a manager and we have a team that we're marketing with so before we do anything i'm not announcing anything on the show yet so yes. i want to just uh let you know we did shoot a great video at the horseshoe for i'm not sorry it's going to be the first single 
and yes. it'll be released before or right when the record comes out. And uh, I, it, it's the first time I did a real video where it wasn't like, I remember when we did the Thermocline Vacant Lot video, it was uh, about a $11,000 grant we got from Video Fact. That was it, yeah. But it was 14000 cut to eleven, and I think they just kept the money and gave us a one-day shoot instead of a two-day shoot. And then we lost the story, essentially. Like, there was a story, but there wasn't a story like like I wanted it. So my biggest concern with this going in was to find uh, a, a crew. Um, I hired five gear studios in Toronto, Darren Sager and Nico. They were amazing. I'm really, really happy really with happy those guys. With um, but my point is, is it was all produced properly. We had a storyline. We took the time to plan every sure. shot. And there wasn't like when we got there, we just did everything we planned and there was never any surprises. Right. Um, sure. There was a few things where we had to make sure the fire department wouldn't show up when we used the hazer. Um, and the horseshoe <laughs> tavern was really, really, really accommodating. Mind you, it was a Friday. Normally the horseshoe would be packed, but because of the current situation in Toronto, there was only allowed sure. dining on the front patio, if not even yeah. dining, they were just having drinks and stuff. So we yeah. were able to use the room and it was really awesome. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting. Storyline is huge. And, and I remember the, um, you, you remember all these nuances and the details of, of that time, but I, I remember for, for at least our video, um, the only funny thing I remember about the storyline was that the day of the shoot, the, the, the storyline was supposed to be that we had these sort of like ninja-like, I guess these two ninja-like girls that were going to do some flying kicks and like fly through the air and like, wow, wow. And then somebody showed up and like, I guess they pulled a hamstring or something. And then it was like, okay, all they're going to do is just clonk them over the head with a briefcase. <laughs> you see, that's hilarious. I wouldn't have remembered that. I remember that it wasn't very, we didn't have a lot of time to spend on it, but they just hit you in the head with a briefcase. That was basically it. She can't jump. Sorry. She, she that, jumped do any of that. We're just going to hit them. That was probably the best part of the video, really. Like, yeah. And then George Vale on the rollerblades with the two hundred thousand oh, dollars HD cool, camera. Yeah. Um, um, but in terms of your storyline, no, that's it's it's a it's a really good point. Um, and even if we're talking about anybody that's up and coming, whether it's a song, whether it's a video, like whatever, whether you're writing your bio, whether you're writing an article, like it doesn't really matter. Your storyline is really key, and for your video. Um, I was going to ask you, so this is for the song, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. Yeah. I had and, a song called I'm sorry from the previous record. That's very confusing. Okay. Okay. So the, what's, what is the story behind that? If you're able to share it with us. Well, okay. So what's funny is when I, I've working on this song for quite a while. Um, I have like 36 versions of it. So it's pretty funny. Okay. Um, but in, in, in a sense, one of the things I noticed um, when I was at a large festival, um, Burning Man, um, I noticed that a lot of the Canadians with us kept apologizing. It was just, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry everywhere. And I was just like, all right, cut the stupid apologizing. I'm not sorry at all. And that was kind of the impetus for that. And then the storyline here is kind of like, I'm not sorry that I left to go to LA to do my music. And there's um, clearly there's a, a relationship in the story. And then there's, it shows like another potential relationship happening in the video. So when you see it, you'll see what we're talking about. Um, it's definitely not based on anyone specific or any real people, um, but like I always like to write about experiences I've had that I draw from different areas of my life where you can relate to it and anyone can relate to it because they probably had similar. So um, definitely the idea is about I'm not sorry that I went to pursue my career. 
Oh, okay. So that's the, that's sort of what's behind it all. Okay, great. And there's always double meanings everywhere. Like it's all about double meanings and just Easter eggs and things like that. Um, for okay. example, there's um, a picture where um, it just has me and this girl uh, as, as we were at a, a Halloween party or something like that. And then it's like on the counter. But the picture frame is one that was given to me by the guy that owns Tom's Shoes. And I right. had that frame with a little thing he gave me that said, reduce velocity. It means slow down and relax. And I had it on my desk for a long time. And I'm like, right. I'm going to use that frame because it looks cool. Like I always try to put like things in there, you know? Um, yeah. I'm carrying my Ernie Ball guitars around in there. Um, I didn't really mean to feature them like that. And I realized I did. And that's great because I love yeah. Ernie Ball. So it's kind of awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. It's slowing down is, is, is so important. And what's the phrase? Um, you need to calm is contagious. And, and if you have this sort of just lower key approach to things and you slow down and you think about it, again, back to story writing, uh, storytelling, um, whatever it is that you know, as pertains to music, that's, I think a lot of, especially people that are under the gun, you know, in, in the studio and uh, produce things on deadline, it's really tough to find creative moments, like moments of impact where you can just take a breath, think about what's going on, and then let that creativity flow. It doesn't happen on a deadline all the time. And that's the most challenging thing I think people find. It doesn't matter if you're in the workforce, doing creative design, or who knows what it is, or writing a song just how do you create that space for yourself mentally to just let out in a way that kind of channels into something amazing so always have an iphone ready to go to record video so you can just pick it up and then sing into it or play into it like i have so many clips of me just playing guitar into the phone with no plugged in or anything like that just to remember what i just came up with um, yeah. when things happen to spur of the moment you have this device now it's like able to do that remember before you'd have a tape player on the subway like, <laughs> <laughs> so fail you're right no so i think i don't know I'm, there's probably a lot of, i'd love to hear if, if you have a chat window on this thing i don't know but if like what other people do to capture those ideas in the moment because you know i do the same thing like I, you kind of just you flip on your voice recorder or like whatever it is but and then you go back through your history and you listen to what you put in there like in fragments they're like what the? but when you actually start to kind of see the thread the red thread through it all actually you can come out with a song or a new creative idea okay, okay so one thing i've been doing which is crazy um i have a song called scream that i wrote i might have shown it to you at one point i actually have a recording of it from 25 years ago on a tape with a buddy of mine trying to sing the lyrics i had written out so i'm not worried about him owning it but i was for a second i was like wait okay i have i wrote it but it's on the new album and it's like it's not that much different. I mean, so it's like so strange how I'm so glad I kept those tapes. I'm going through lots of tapes that I ran on, but then on my four track, it's kind of like Dave Grohl after Nirvana does all this stuff he did pre Nirvana. I had tapes of me playing guitar when I'm 15, 16. And that's where like a ton of my songs like are still in my head coming along. And I just kind of creating stuff from the past because I already wrote those riffs. Like there's thermocline riffs that, um, I want to still use like from adrenaline's dead i want to use that lick from the middle somewhere maybe who knows i'll i'll show you as they happen uh the newest version of the video actually begins with mantis playing oh yeah i thought that was i was wondering it sounded familiar i was like is that the same it, it was from the album 
It's the oh, one okay. song that I owned 100%. <laughs> so I was like, hey, we need something for this part. And I'm like, wow, this works perfectly for the beginning of I'm Not Sorry's intro. Because they asked me for some more music and I gave them oh, some okay. instrumentals from sure. the other stuff, but it didn't really fit because it was like, just wasn't the right vibe and it worked. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. And that was nicely mastered uh, by Nick Blagona and it was mixed by Jay Rustin and produced by us. So yeah it's fun to have attract some people in it jay's killing it but we won't get into him right now i'm sure that's a that's, a, that's a whole other episode on tears i want to get him on here soon sure. i haven't asked him lately but i saw sure. him working with uh public enemy and anthrax the other night nice um but let's get back to uh your what you're asking me here so well i mean at the end of the day it's just about you know if you're um independent artist you're up and coming you know it's exactly easy to break through and whether it's with your your content your songwriting and find the space to be able to get all your thoughts together usually life just happens and that's what inspires us as musicians whether it's the ups and downs but for your you and your your next album that's coming up like what were the things that kind of inspired you the most to have these songs come forth were there certain moments that led the storyline for you in this um well for some of the songs like i literally i have so much material that i could just go in a studio right now and have if i have the guy i'm working with i'd be like okay let's do this what song is it okay just 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 hit record i'll show you the guitar part and we just kind of like i had so much in my head i needed to get out um i wasn't really having in issues with inspiration it was more issues of what do i want to use and what do i what sounds good and what doesn't i have so much that was always good. that's what's always good working with aaron there's no lack of ideas <laughs> it's always about wait 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 we got to catch this 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 we'll try and make it work uh, i i loved how when you and i would work together remember we'd sit in my apartment and we'd put on like crystal method cd and try to come up with different yeah. songs. <laughs> i remember that and i was thinking like um that was like we had a work ethic that was like none other like we hated working in factory or companies like we treated our recording process such that it was almost like work like we were like okay let's get this done let's make sure we meet on time like we were very yeah. professional about it and then this Jeez. other band members were different because they had different sort of lifestyles but yeah. i remember like the hardest part for us was getting the time to get together and do the work and then so when we'd sit down yes. it's like okay let's do it then it's like how do you get inspired then <laughs> well yeah and again you're like everyone everyone works in different ways so you gotta kind of capture what's going on in your life and like i said like that back then we didn't have the iphones and everything else we use nowadays but whatever i wrote it down i i do whatever i had to do and then you kind of come in with some kind of inspiration and again i try everyone and the other good thing is everyone had took time to write lyrics write a story and i think coming in with at least a base of like the story I think should go like this and then building the music around that sometimes worked as a process. Sometimes it was the other way around. Like, Hey, I thought of something. It sounds like this. Oh, wait, that triggers me to think of something that happened to me. Well, and, you know. I mean, I'm going to tell you, I want to answer your question because I didn't yet, but I also want to yes. just um, so many memories are popping up. Like when we were, <laughs> you and Andrew and Jason and I were in the park, studio rehearsal complex right trying to write some songs for our shows and everything and we were we started writing um i started played the intro we played the chorus and we thought it was pretty catchy and you're like what's this one called and i'm like vacant lot i just yelled it out at you and that was it i just yelled it out at you and then afterwards like what does that mean i'm like the parking lot's always empty when we play <laughs> <laughs> 
us. And then you wrote this whole story about silver lock and chain around you. And I never really knew what you were saying in the chorus. I want to forget or I won't forget. I never really understood what you meant by it so much. It's so funny, but I was like, I had the hardest time trying to sing it. (laughs) No, I mean, like the, um, it's so funny what can help inspire things, but no, you're right. Um, but that story, as, as like many stories are, are about relationships gone bad <laughs> and, and what's, what wasn't, hadn't worked for me, like in the previous God, who knows, decade leading up to that point for me anyways, and, and bringing that in and yeah. And, and, and just sort of touching on things that are personal, but not kind of giving away too much. I've never really wanted to give away too much in the songwriting process. I did a whole album before yeah. this one called Yours Forever. And okay. that was the songs called Give Me a Reason. I'm sorry. Um, sedated. You made me feel sedated. Like, like it's clearly a breakup album or something like that. Um, and then this one, uh, the new one, like you're asking me, where do I get the, the song inspirations from? Well, I wanted to fix songs that I felt weren't done right. Um, I had a song called Gone that I used to, I, I, the solo evolved into what I was doing live with that song. So I was touring that album a little bit and I ended up recording it and calling it So Gone. And I had a really good uh, rapper named Anonymous at the beginning of it who comes in and raps at the beginning. And I love what he was doing as a friend I skateboard with. And I just saw one of his tracks today that he sent me. I'm going to put a clip to that because he's awesome. But I I changed the song to So Gone and I was actually so gone from a situation that I was in that was annoying me that day that we finished that song. It was like right in the studio the day we Uh, finished that tracking. I was like, I'm so gone to this other issue that's bothering me. And it was like really, really helpful. And like I have another one called Million Miles Away. Um, I was seeing this girl who I'm really cool with. We're friends, we're awesome. But we were just in a position where we weren't really gonna be able to to meet up again um, just because of our lives taking us different places. And um, I remember saying one of the lines, I said, hey, I wrote a song called Million Miles Away, but one of the lines is about us meeting up. <laughs> it says, so tell me where you'll stay. You know, that was the line that simply is just about which part of Vegas you're going to be in, which hotel kind of thing is pretty funny. And like those little Easter eggs, no one's going to know them, right? But they mean so much to me that they have to be done sure. right. Um, I remember A Star Above Me, a song I wrote a long time ago, I actually did it when around the time Jason was producing Spank Driven. Oh, okay. All right. So I, wow. I had um, Andy, who I saw when I was in Ottawa at Steve's. The, he played bass and he was on a cruise ship. He played bass on that. Andrew played drums on it and me and Jay okay. did the rest. Right. There's a line that says, um, and stay in the carpets, pet. A uh, girl I was seeing at the time was telling me and living with was telling me I should change it to stay in the carpets red because it makes more sense. I'm like, yeah, but I don't want the red imagery of the carpet anywhere near the song, right? But I kind of listened to that advice and that bothered me for so long. I now have a new version of that song called The Stars Above Your Eyes. And on that specific line, I go and stain the carpets pet, like very pronounced, kind of like when Val Kilmer in the doors, they tell him not to say, take much higher, girl, you can get much better. And then in the microphone, he goes up to the, to the camera and he goes, girl, I can get much higher, like right in the, yeah, you know? yeah. and so when I said pet, it's very pronounced. It's stupid, but this is the kind of shit that makes me go, yes, I got it right now. And I finally can fix it. So I have another song called it's, I was like, I wanted to write a happy song. Um, I've been playing this riff on my guitar for like 20 years. It's like a cadenza where I go, and then that's all you do. And it goes into the, all the chords and it's called, it's time for love. And it's, it's like 
really heavy it's time for love like you're yelling how it's it's time for love like it's just like i wanted to be positive with the lyrics but be heavy with the audio and it it works and then i was like i said to parker awesome producer at excellent sound who did the record with me i said to him all right so let's put some edm shit there he sampled that and he put that in the song so at the end of the party it goes put the edm shit there and then it goes <laughs> we have the whole dubstep part for that um but my sound is mixing dubstep kind of edm stuff with guitar now so one thing you don't know is i spent um around 2011 to 2017 and onward i got into i was going to coachella started going to a lot of burning man stuff and getting into electronic music i had roommates who were djs um people who were going to school for music i had a friend who i used to drive him to his music lessons in return like with a dj teacher to actually be allowed to sit in on it a bit yeah. it was really beneficial to me i started going to a place called space yacht a lot um and meeting people like there was a lot of famous people from the local la scene that were coming up coming up being on these these nights and we'd see them spin so i really spent the time to get into edm because i was talking to my friend steve thompson on the other podcast he's a producer and he was saying you know rock and edm it's really hard to get it right and i realized why it's because if unless you get into edm you'll never get it right so klos said i balance the fine line of rock and edm that's really hard to do and i feel like the reason is is because i love it I love certain types of EDM, a certain artist, and I'm into 128 BPM bass house, you know, and I go to a lot of events where there's no guitar players anywhere. So, um, but I have the ability to adapt. And uh, I wrote a song that's a cover song. It's not on the album, but it, there is a video for it called Forever Is To Die. Um, it's a combination of Martin Garrick's Forever, the song they played at the end of the Olympics last time they had the Olympics. It was at the closing ceremony. So it's like four years old now, at least. and to mix with Metallica's To Live Is To Die, Forever Is To Die. And it's a strange okay. yeah. sort of yeah. mix. There's no vocals except for the part where Cliff Burton's talking and it's not him, it's just me. Um, so that's a cover that we can use live. I'm not sure if licensing wise, I'll ever be allowed to play it, but it was creative and fun. And now I'm doing weird stuff where I have a cover song I'm gonna play where I take an Art Lady Peace song and I'm Mother Earth song and a Smashing Pumpkins song. And I'm doing all three at the same time. Um, so so <laughs> These crazy mashups. Well, like uh, it's like like you're putting the notes in between the the spaces of the other song, so you're hearing the My Mother Earth percussion and then the Billy Corgan octaves and then you're hearing the bass line from Our Lady Peace. It's so funny. Um, I don't know if that's gonna fly, but that's just something I'm kind of into, and it's inspiring yeah. to me to try to make that actually work. Sure, folks are listening to a true artiste here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so do you think like your personality is the thing that drives what you know, your music at the end of the day when you create music is it who Aaron is as a as a person you know those are guitar riffs when I listen to those guitar riffs I hear you talk I hear you think now that you have to know Aaron to know that but do you think that's what it is or do you think like you're grabbing inspiration from other things and that's what feeds like dream theater. I know you love dream theater and then that feeds into your play style. More. Well, I don't think I sound like them at all. Um, and strangely yes. enough, they live near, some of them live near me. So I'm actually seeing some of their okay. crew around. It's a really longer story. I'm actually going to have um, the singer from dream theater's son on here next week oh, with, right their, on. with their band. Cause but do like you, so you, you're saying your personality type is what comes through most strongly. Well, let me answer that where 
yeah. on the thermocline record the guitars are absolutely all me like i feel yeah. that when i listen to that record i think that's that's so much fun and yeah when i listened to the record i did in 2005 and didn't release i felt it was a little overproduced by my like i don't i love some of the tracks on it but the producer i was working with kind of took away from some of the what i was trying to do and the guitars felt a little wimpy to me jay mixed it amazing but it, it wasn't he didn't track it um i think it might even have been a little bit out of phase i'm hearing right now outside the legion over there and they're practicing bagpipes <laughs> sample sample um but uh i think with the inspiration stuff like there's so many songs i needed to get out that the second record's already written um i have a track called uphill battle part two but it's it's that's the in brackets title the real titles vibe in me okay um, All right. uh, and it's the heaviest song i have now that came okay. from a band i joined in 2007 called unraveled okay. uh, it was all seven string guitars and i was working with a guy named jesse bilson who's amazing amazing guitar player i was his rhythm player i got a seven string john patrucci guitar out of that so i could play in the band with it and um I ended up rewriting it for six string because I really just didn't want to bring seven string and six string guitars on stage. Sure, yeah, yeah. That's such a pain. And all the tunings, I tune everything the same now. I don't have any weird tunings. Um, oh, okay, okay. Everything yeah, is yeah. E flat, but that's always E flat. Sure, yeah. Just keep it simple. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, um, it's not going to be the same as when we first started, right? When we were starting out and figuring out how to break through into getting our you know, sound heard, getting known by anybody. So, but what we did do, I think work. And I think one of the things at the end of the day, again, back to summer, and I think like we really zeroed in and it was not manufactured whatsoever, just truly just zeroing in on what we thought we liked and was current. And it just so happened that, you know, it caught the attention of at least one radio station. And then it kind of went from there. So I would always say, focus on the content and make sure the content's awesome. And that's going to be your breakthrough. Do you think that that still holds in this age? Do you think that there's other things that amplify to help people get noticed? Well, uh, it's, it's really, first of all, be nice to everyone. That's the best advice I can give to any yeah. artist because you never know who's going to come up and be like, I'm Benny Blanco from the Bronx and just shoot you because you screwed him over before. I mean, what I'm saying is you just you never know who's going to be in a position to help you a door a gatekeeper or something and then that they remembered you doing something really stupid yeah. and you just you want to be nice to everyone and I, I think I am I try to help people as much as I can I think this podcast um, is one way that I can sort of show I can give it back and if you watch this as a new artist you're going to learn from my mistakes because I'm going to be pretty much on my sleeve here's my mistakes example letting one radio station dictate your career in the city while the other stations won't play you because you're that station's band. I'm like, no, we're Canadian band. We're not that station's yeah. band. Fuck yeah, you. Yeah. yeah. And that really grinded my gears how that went down. Um, and mm -hmm. that was really unfortunate because then suddenly the station is bought out and turns into a different format. And where are you? Yeah, exactly. It's so awful how that happens. So yeah. um, I was really impressed that KLOS Los Angeles picked up I'm Not Sorry and played okay. three times and invited me to play at the Viper Room. Yeah, it's awesome. And and you and That's oh, the poster. Oh, right there. Okay. Did you, by the way, read the book Molly's Game or see the movie Molly's Game, which is based on the uh, extraordinary poker game that was being orchestrated in the Viper Room originally? 
that sounds awesome. I think I've heard the name of it. Now, it's like all it's all like A lists playing in this poker like this this uh, poker game, like super major high stakes. And it's a true story of this lady that was uh, orchestrating this whole thing. It's, it's it's really it's very very interesting story. True story, very LA. Anyways, back to the main main storyline here. Okay, so. Um, so yeah. I, I actually have been to the Viper Room a lot lately and other, yeah. other like the whiskey and stuff like that because I've been living in Hollywood and like in the hills and being able to just go down to the, the rainbow for a drink with my friends and that was kind of our hangout and I'd also go to Nam the Nam show in Anaheim and one of the things I'm noticing is a huge divide between what I call old man rock and the young EDM DJ crowd scene. And there's a, um, a festival called Lost Lands that uh, Excision and his crew put on down in the States. Um, I think it's near Ohio or I don't even know. My geography is crappy. Um, but they, um, it really like, it's like there's DJs and people who play guitar that are DJs like Sullivan King. But then you get like Coachella and you get like these other things where it's all these old groups coming back. But there's a real split. Like it, it seems like these guys who have bass amps on stage and, and guitars and all this stuff and they have all these things and then there's like just a DJ with a USB making 20 grand it's crazy like at EDC and stuff so I have two people I have my drummer Jack McGregor who's amazing he can sing thank god he can sing he and I were playing in a cover band when I was up there for a while so because he can sing we got the harmonies down and the harmonies are so important to be able to practice with just guitars and he's learning guitar so it's really fun I show him some guitar stuff and he can teach me some drum stuff I don't need to play drums but I do have an electric kit here for fun um, the main thing is it's for writing and things like that but it's really awesome that we only have two people so it's kind of like when you look at 21 pilots it's just two guys right um, it's kind of neat to have more of a DJ setup like I run Ableton and I'm playing my guitar into like a crazy setup that the only thing on the floor in front of me is a wah pedal controller, my rack mount wah, like the same one I had before, but there's no pedals in front of me where audio is going through them. Cause I don't want any audio to be stepped on by my foot and unplugged or destroyed or ruined. I play everything wireless. Um, and Ableton has allowed me to, to replace the bass player with something called serum. Um, it's just like a synthesizer program made by dead mouse's team. So using, serum for most of the bass parts and like one song i remember for scream i said you know think billy eilish on the bass to the producer and that's what's got all these really weird bass stuff and then i didn't really want to have a bass player kind of picking kind of copying the guitar playing um i'm actually considering maybe getting a live bass player for some songs for fun because it might look cool and sound good um billy corgan style i might get a female bass player but i'm not 100 percent sure on that at all that might happen down the road I was just thinking about that because I was watching someone play who was awesome. I was like, wow, they would be great for a couple songs. But I don't really want that many people on the bus. You know, I want to just have, yeah. we both got our own hotel room. There's the two of us. And then we might have go-go dancers or some other people. But there's no <laughs> need for um, four people, especially when you have to do that thing called mass scrutinization. Remember that? Oh. <laughs> it always, it always tough, but it worked. Oh, it's a horrible way to do it. You have four it's people terrible, in a room listening to a song and just nitpicking at every little thing oh, and going, God. no, we got to do mass scrutinization on this. It's so <laughs> sad. So funny. But we lear I've, I've learned so much from this. I learned so much. I wanted to ask you, I actually had a few questions I wrote down. Sure. Um, what did you learn from your experience with Thermal Client? Yeah, um, it's not just the musical stuff, um, you know, you have to learn how to 
really make a decision. You know, like we're, we, we have to really decide. We were constantly being tested. Like, is this a career or is this just a side gig or is this just like a fun thing? And you really have to kind of get, you get any little glimpse of hope can make you think this thing is going to go. And we'd have all kinds of little glimpses of hope, right? And meanwhile, you know, we're pumping in money into the video. We're pumping in money into the album. We're, we're basically investing into this thing. And at some point, you have to learn, like, okay, well, am I going to cut my losses and take what I've gained from this and was great and move on? Or am I going to keep plowing ahead? And obviously, I, I figured I, <laughs> I'd move ahead into my career. Um, and that was a really th tough thing to kind of grapple with is, you know, when is it the time to stop? And when is it the time to continue? And so everyone, I think, can only make a choice for themselves on that. I, I have the exact opposite problem. Okay. I was never going to stop, but everyone's yeah. always asking me, when are you going to stop? <laughs> and I'm like, I need to prove Jason wrong. He told me you couldn't make it after 30. Yeah. Right, we had a mutual friend, Jason Young, who he passed away, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so we ended up doing, um, well, it basically ended the band. Um, so, yeah. but um, I was always like, I need to prove him wrong. Cause I remember one time he said something to me, like, if you don't make it by the time you're 30, that's it. And I was like, that was yeah, right. like <laughs> 15 years past that. And I'm going to prove that fucking person wrong. I'm going to prove him well, wrong. So there's, there you go. Like, so I think that's part of it. Uh, what did I learn is just, you know, personally, you have to sort of figure out where is the line for you? Because it's tough thing. Like, if you're really going to do this, like, it's hard. And it's, it's the easiest thing. The hardest part is keeping a, like your other jobs and things in check. So now that I, I, thanks to the pandemic, I can completely work from Los Angeles remotely. I think what I'm trying to say is like making a living from music is not easy. Like this no. is, you know, very sustain a, like you know real income from it, and so everyone's got a line on where they've got to sort of consider a hobby that they love and are passionate about, or is this a career? And it, I think that was one big thing I I just took away of like, you know coming to terms with what was right for me. And I think you know a lot of it because because of what we you know experienced together. Um, you know, in a band, you get really close with people. You're on a, it's very, you form, you're my brother for life, brother. Yeah. You form friendships that aren't just, you know, cause you kind of connect uh, like you would any, it's like a marriage, but then you, you're also layer on the passion you have for uh, music. And then you've got something that's really special. And so it's tough, you know, you, you're, you're learning about, really, you know, we were living together uh, as a band, like for band reasons and, and for songwriting reasons, but just also because we need roommates to pay the rent. But, you know, we're learning a lot about each other. And so it's just the dynamic about, okay, how do you balance dynamics with people? How do you, you know, what's the right way to approach being respectful and in both music and create creative process and then it's been life, um, you know, because it can go sideways especially when you're younger and you're, you're, you don't really have all of the emotional intelligence, I guess, as you would in, later in life to, to figure these things out. Fighting so, over girls. <laughs> just, just everything about how to work well as a team and in that kind of context, you learn a lot. And then finally, I would say that, you know, the really was the foundation for me. You know, I ended up moving on in my career to into the music entertainment 
industry and public relations and communications, but then even further that into marketing and digital marketing and business to business marketing, you know, I never would have um, quite had the same foundational experience that I would have without having gone through the band, you know, you're, you're making connections with uh, how do you get on the radio? How do you write a press release? How do you uh, schedule an event and run an event? You know, these are all fundamental things. That you so know. How, how do you get on the radio? Well, nowadays I'm so far out. Of, I haven't been in that in it for so far, uh, so so far long now that I am a little out of touch with it. But I mean, at least when we did it, again, do you remember the angle was charity. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, I mean, but again, I think it does come down to content because because we did have a certain you know sound that did catch the attention of certain people, and from there there was sort of like an. an you know, when we held an event and we wanted to give back to our community in addition to that, hey, these guys sound really interesting. They could potentially be a radio band and they want to give back to their community through whatever show they're putting on with it in a meaningful way. Yeah, that's that's now we're getting into the realm of marketing. <laughs> but the problem now is yeah. if you have the best song in the world and it's like just, you know, like say you could have a song that's like you just know it, it was a Grammy winning song. And you go back in time and not tell anyone about it how do you that's like you're saying you have to have the content well okay i i don't agree though i think if you have the best song in the world you still have to get it heard in the right oh, way sorry yeah don't misinterpret me yeah, no, no it's I, so I, hard I to get yeah. that song through yeah. the like it used yeah. to be oh my god hey mr big's calling you from this yeah. limousine <laughs> that's right because yeah. they're hearing this uh, new sound but you know or like chuck yeah. berry try this chuck you're yeah no, that's I mean, right <laughs> but i still think like you you have to start with what you got it's been a while but we haven't done yeah. it like it's things have changed since the Beatles that's right that's right but I think you still have to start with amazing songwriting and then from there once you've got that it's okay we have what are the right channels to get out there and and and, and I'm not like today in this day and age I think um various radio stations whether they're conventional or or digital um I think I think there's still something there. I don't think people have completely discounted it as much as you can, you know, get get music access to music everywhere. I think that you know there's a certain layer of um, credibility that comes but along with the, getting some radio play. So let me give you an example with so the song I have. I'm not sorry. The local station here in Aurelia area, they're called Max FM. They added me as a local artist, and I was driving from my house to my mom's, and they played my song, and I was like, "Wow!" I just drove somewhere and listened to the radio, and my song came on. That kind of blew yeah. my mind. I hadn't happened in a long time, but they won't add you. How to, how the hell are you supposed to get at it? So you're in the local spot. Everyone's like, "Oh, this is the this is the local band." Everyone just you know yeah. you hear the yeah. It's like yeah. it doesn't feel rock star. So no, <laughs> no again, I, th I think again, if it, if your content's good enough, your audience should pick up on that. They should be requesting. It. You obviously have to dovetail that with, you know, this day and age with your own social media push in your own ways. You know, there's a grunt work that comes along with it for sure. Well, yeah. So I'm going to give it a shot because I have an album record and video coming out all soon. So I think I'm just going to have to buy tons of ads on Facebook and YouTube and target everybody because <laughs> yeah. get in everyone's face. And that's really pay to play in a way. Um, sure. Yeah. And that's where your pay to play goes. And it's like, well, if Facebook can change people's minds about what they want to do with their like with all those strange shit going on yeah um, then i think i could probably sway them to like my music too <laughs> i almost feel like it's its own whole 
really what it is, is it's, we don't have enough time here, but there's, it's, it's its own topic really, like how to break through. And I'm sure many people have talked about this, but it's its own interesting topic for people that are trying to break through nowadays and, and what are the one ways that work, you know, successfully and, and what don't. But um, those are just some of the top thoughts off the top of my head anyways. And this podcast, the only reason I started this was because I was running a podcast for someone else and I was like, oh, this is easy. Let's do it for me yeah. now. And now I haven't, I haven't missed an episode except for Canada Day, I took a day off. Um, yeah. But I wanted to do one every week. Um, my next episode's with Karen Bliss from Rolling Stone. Mag I'm not oh, sure yeah, yeah. Um, if that's where she's from now, but she's an amazing publicist. I'm probably going to edit that. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I have some upcoming podcasts with some interesting publicists. Um, I did want to ask you, for new artists, even though things have changed, when do you think they need a publicist and what kind of PR do you recommend? Yeah, I know. Um, if you're... Um... If you're even at the beginning stage, you're gonna have, I, I think if you're really, especially issues oriented, there's going to be issues and topical issues and pertinent issues that you talk about in your music. If you're touching on hot button, um, sensitive kind of subject matter even. I think, I think if your story it goes edges into that kind of territory, I think right away it's, you gotta be pretty, pretty ready to field some questions um, as you get your story out there that you're going to need to be ready to navigate. So if you're in that territory, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sort of wing it. <laughs> I think, you know, you don't want to get off on the wrong foot. I think you do want to make sure that you're, you know, you have a, a good explanation and you can um, have a good reason as to why, you know, you're, you're saying, and you're prepared to say it the right way. Um, there's a point where, you know, if you're not experienced and you're ready and you're taking it seriously and you're not really quite sure how to encounter the media in a way that's going to be meaningful. And again, back to the, the story, like what's a meaningful news hook? If you're not quite sure and you are serious about it, um, there's, there's another good reason to get some advice. Even if, even an hour spent, you know, and, and paying for an hour's worth of advice is probably gonna be worthwhile than trying to sort of save your save your few pitfalls and and get you a little bit farther ahead those are two little basic rules but a lot of it you know um there's so much content on the line that can tell you like how do you write a press release how do you do the text okay so i think yeah. i think that's wrong i think um you don't really want to be the one writing it you have to have like your pr person no get no get, get me like I, I was just here let me finish i was just going to say like there's a lot of things out there that can tell you like technically how to do things but there's a strategy behind it all that you won't necessarily know or understand, right? And so that, if you're in that kind of position, then I think that it always makes sense. Um, but of course, budget's a factor. But if you can just limit it to a short time block, you get what you can out of it, I think that's worthwhile. I did that with vocal um, coaches. I would hire the best vocal coach I could find and spend 150 bucks, but ask them if I could record it and then never go back. <laughs> sure, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, I would say, what do I need to do for my voice to warm up? Yeah. And they would show it to me and not, not never go back, but basically not really spend a lot mm -hmm. of money on that once you've figured out what you need to do. And it's kind of like going to the gym, get sure. your workout figured out, and then you just got to make sure you do it all the time. Yeah, absolutely. So yes. also for vocalists, any thoughts? I know, so Graham, I know you, you studied vocals a lot. You went through a lot with becoming a singer, and I think your family had some background in vocals and stuff. So for vocalists, any advice on how to avoid problems singing night after night? And this isn't like, this is like, seriously, 
No, yeah, no, I'm laughing because I'm thinking about myself and my experiences. I, I, and I, I know that what after I experienced what we did with Thermocline, and then yeah. I had my record after that, I went to a professional opera coach named Jill sure, Northy. Yeah. Jill Northy was amazing, and she helped me prepare to record my record. And I just said, look, my range is around A to A. Sure. And she figured that out. I'm a high tenor and don't go out of that range or else you're going to hurt yourself. It's like lifting yeah. weights above your range. Yeah. So that was my solution to it um, because I was afraid I was going to do that. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it's, look, um, 100% if you're serious about being in a band and singing in a, with what comes along with an aggressive tour schedule, even if you're just jamming consistently, uh, getting the basic fundamental coaching on breath control, how to everything that comes along with, you know, making Moe's come out of your mouth properly is extremely important. Um, there was a, I think it was called the Rock and Roll Singer Survival Manual. I think you probably just Google that and, and find it. I found that one really helpful, but just really working with vocal coaches was very important to, again, to your point, find your range. I lost it though. It was very interesting. As we pushed ourselves to get a certain sound, I found like the fundamental training I had started with, which was very you know, diaphragm oriented. Um, I start to lose that. And I started to try and stretch myself into areas I probably shouldn't have. And it was when we started to play more, that started to strain me. There was a, I'll never forget it. as much as the training I took, I started to kind of like not listen to my own coaches and push myself where areas I shouldn't have. And I blew my voice out for a month. And I'll never forget, you know, not speaking for a month is not fun for you. I hated talking to you on the phone when you were like, hey, Aaron. I'm like, this is so <laughs> fucked up. It is not, it is not somewhere you want to go. And uh, I would, I would, I would say like, you know, going to see a you know, and your nose throat specialist, I had to take scans of my of my vocal cords and, and it ended up being I just strained it pretty pretty badly and just needed to, to, to dial it back. But I know a month of, of silence is, is, is really, really hard on everybody. And so you don't want to be there. You don't want to go there. So absolutely hook up with a, a great vocal coach and, and do the work and nothing comes easy. You got to work. It's like a muscle. You just got to work it. So for singers who have no instrument, how can they feel comfortable with just the microphone on stage? Because I have a guitar I can hide behind. And I always felt like the first time I ever put a guitar down and just sang like for <laughs> karaoke and stuff, I just feel so awkward because I can't yeah. dance. Yeah, yeah, no, stage presence, that's a whole other thing. So um, some people, it's interesting, they've got a natural way about them. And they, you know, they've got a signature sort of way about them on stage. And they feel it in a way that kind of the audience vibes with. For those, if, for those people that don't, um, I mean, it comes with experience. And, you know, if you look at the track record of even us, like how we were on stage to where we ended, um, there was a huge progression for everybody. And, and yeah, Andrew was awful till the end. He was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Andrew was probably the most consistent because he already had so much experience. But um, where do you stand? How do you present yourself? Where do you and how do you move? What makes sense? For you on stage um how do you engage the audience and at what points in songs it makes sense where it doesn't look cheesy and it's authentic and, and like a moment on stage it's like a moment you create those moments absolutely and and doing it in a way that that works and flows not that's prefab so that that's all this kind of 
comes with experience. And again, there's people that can assist in that regard as well. But um, definitely uh, videotape yourself as much as possible. Get feedback, family, friends, fans, and uh, don't be shy about it because you know it's better to have someone call you out in a small moment than you try and pull something <laughs> in a bigger show later. It just no, it doesn't work. <laughs> and also, never do anything that you didn't do in rehearsal. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that 100%. Uh, you know, we were band members will hate you pretty adamant about uh, because we wanted we had a certain level of perfectionism, wanted to make sure that put on a good show that was an entertaining experience even the words didn't in a band and it all matters you know for those that really care about what they do so let's uh i think we're getting little this is great i could talk to you forever so i want to ask a little bit about what's new with you so um you, you sent me an acoustic clip of a track that you wrote uh in pieces yeah uh, and that's are you playing bass and singing yeah that's it's just that's i find for songwriting i um, I, I play the bass, I play piano and, and I sing. And I find that the bass acoustically many times when I'm writing songs, for whatever reason, for me, it just, I find the notes, I find the whatever groove I want. And it just kind of clicks for me that way, more often that way than other ways and piano sometimes. So that's, yeah, so when I was keying into this this song again i for me anyways my process is i prefer to start with what the lyrics are i prefer to write out what i'm trying to say and then maybe i get triggered by some kind of riff that i've come up with and then i kind of make it make it all work together but that's what happened with this one just i i tend to gear into songs that um you know, I got my, my undergrad degrees in psychology and I've always have been interested in human behavior and just the human uh, emotion and the psychology of people. And so I tend to, at times, gear into topics that, like when our first album there, our beautiful Prozac child, that's about, you know, do you drugs to, yeah, do you give drugs to kids with depression? Is that lethical? How can I sleep when I smile? Yeah, exactly. So, I can't so sleep that, when I smile. That's that song. That's what that's about. So ethically, is that right? Is it the right thing to do? Um, so I found myself in that territory again um, with, you know, people with going through COVID. And it's very, COVID's been very hard on everybody. Depression, anxiety rates are through the roof. A lot of medication, um, you know, and alcoholism, um, you know, obviously has been... Firefly. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. I don't want to so I'll try and maintain one train of thought, but so that led me to this song, which, which, you know, with, with, you know, experiences in, that I've known around me and people I know that, that was all about, Hey, you know, I'm, you're going through hard times. You're, you're feeling like you're being pulled apart. You don't want that. You want it to be held together, but it's not always possible. And so that's what that song's about. And so you, I gave you a quick clip. Um, and that's what, kind of what, what inspired and how I got there. But yeah, but that's, that's, just, that's just me. And I, that's, I kind of tend to touch on that uh, whenever I kind of get struck by the inspiration to write something. It tends to be in, in more of these kinds of themes for whatever reason. That's, I guess that's the way it comes out of me. Can you hear this? Yeah. 
Are you singing and playing together? Yes. It's got a Zeppelin bar. I'm hearing Robert Plant. So that's the, uh, yeah, it's a little clip I gave you. I, I, it's interesting. I, I gave it to a bandmate and um, I'm playing as the cover band now, but we're starting to write original stuff and I gave it to a bandmate. And it's so interesting to see how somebody will interpret that. So turned it around completely. And it's very interesting, the output. I, I should almost probably send you that clip, but it sounds like, I don't know, like some kind send of- Send me it, I'll put it on the podcast. Or something. It's really interesting um, how people interpret that. And and then that's a fun part of the collaborative process. It's just seeing what people will do with something you put forth like that. So, so do you remember the song Sonic Blonde? Oh yeah, of course. I love that guitar riff. Like It's maiden riff. I need to use it. I don't know where. I need to use it again. <laughs> you use that. You use I, that. I'm going to. Um, I can't wait to figure it out. I don't know if I'm going to use it. I have no idea. I just wanted to tell you that. Um, oh, hey, it, that, that, I always loved that song. And it was a hard driving one. In fact, I, I remember when we were in, um, or we were sitting there um, with the program director and uh, at this radio station, he was going through each one of the tracks. We were listening to them together and he actually picked that one out. Uh, the vacant lot was the other one in, that we were considering it, but he was, he was saying that was the one that he was kind of thinking that would, would fly. Your audio just went down. Sorry, yeah, sorry. It's just my, uh, something fell. Anyway, so this program director, I remember him, he, he actually figured that one would be a good one. So we could have gone with that, but at the time we had a radio tracker that was pushing our single and so we wanted to be consistent so we went with vacant lot so who knows what, what would have happened if we ended up going with this so one thing i learned is that radio tracking and radio promotion are two different things <laughs> tracker sends it out and tells you how it went promoter yeah. goes in and rubs the grease and says you need to play sure. the song yeah so. maybe we needed to pay a little extra money <laughs> to get the right kind of push <laughs> we we screwed up we had the spot but then we let nickelback take it and look what the world has now it could have been thermocline <laughs> i'm so sorry actually i'm not sorry segue to aaron's track well um i'm gonna oh i wanted to talk also getting a manager is key um because yeah. i find that even today i had a huge discussion with my manager about some crazy stuff that i want i can't really get into but um, having someone be able to talk for you and like get them mad at them, not mad at you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it, you can't, if you're the band representing yourself, it just looks so much weaker. Sure. And that's key. Having someone represent you that believes in you, that understands you and, and gets it and you work together. Um, I've never been happier with the current management situation. It's amazing. I can't wait to just tell everyone what we're doing and promote everyone. But, um, yeah. 
I took a long time to find the right person. Another thing I noticed was when I was after we we left and I went down to the states, I was looking for people to join bands. I wasn't worried about the their personality. I was worried about if they were good enough technically. So I found this crazy, incredible guitar player, like blew everyone I knew away. But he was nuts. He was like go to the McDonald's drive through and throw like M80s into the window just for fun. Yeah. <laughs> we're at the Myers, which is like your Loblaws or something. And like they, they stole the phone from it and they went in the parking lot and then they're like singing like through the whole PA in the store going, hello, like it was so funny. But then he's like, Aaron, I'm like, no, don't say my name. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, uh, it's, I, I learned the hard way again, um, to, you have to hire the right people. Um, so now I just hire everyone. Yeah. No, no. I mean, if look, I think you got to look at it from not everybody has the resources that, you know, maybe you have all the time, uh, especially if you're really just starting out and you're younger. Um, but yeah, no, there's, I think, I think a good manager, somebody in your band has not got that business mindset, that, like, that acumen for kind of understanding what's, what makes good business sense, what doesn't, that's kind of not obvious then. I would say, yeah, it might be, a, and you guys have a good sound, then it's probably a good step to get management early if you're serious. Uh, just to make sure, just to make sure you're doing the right things in the right ways. And sure, they'll take up a percent or whatever, but it's probably worth it. Uh, publicist and stuff, I think, would come later. Come later, you know, if you're younger and, and up and coming. Yeah, yeah. Also, I'm, I'm learning more patience in interviewing by having this podcast because literally, if I talk over you, it's harder to edit. So it's better for me to let you say what you have to say. And I'll have this done a little sooner. And it makes me relax a little more. Let you say all your piece that you want to say. Um, and I think also having this podcast, for example, lets me kind of expand on, you know, being more public with what we know and what we're doing, but also learn from all my friends and people like this is not for me. This is not to promote my new record. This is to help other musicians that are trying to make it happen. And I want them to learn from my mistakes. And I, I want to give back with this podcast. There's no, I'm not making money off this. I don't even know how many people are watching it. And it's a soft launch. And eventually, uh, it'd be yeah, great yeah. if I could get bigger stars on here. I've had some pretty cool people on here so far. And I just want to keep doing that. So as my career grows, I'll be able to get a higher caliber of guests on here, not just roommates and friends. But uh, I think I really appreciate you coming on, Graham. Um, and I, I would love to see you play live sometime with your Ottawa band. Um, want me to put the link up for it? Yeah, it's, it's just uh, Facebook.com. I think it's slash N. NT something N Ottawa. E is in Tom, D is in Dom. <laughs> what does it mean? What's the band called? NTD uh, Ottawa Band. Um, but that's not the band name. Like if you say, let's go see NTD Ottawa Band, what, what are people going to say? Sure. Never mind the damage is the is the band. And it, you know, like the way we wrote it up in our bio is just look, there's a lot going on in your life. We're just here to help you have a little escapism. Never mind all the damage going on. Let's just have some fun and rock out. Is there any evolution from Nathan means nothing? Nothing. No. <laughs> I have a tape that says that on it somewhere. Yeah, no. No. So funny. And, oh, and postcards. Andrew had the idea to make postcards. That was so cool. These were yeah. so much fun. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Throw at people and stuff. <laughs> Throw them in the crowd, you know? All right. Yeah. Well, Graham, I really appreciate having you on. I look forward to seeing you next time I go to Ottawa. And you're definitely on the list for a show if we're playing. So you, you better get um, that night off. And um, uh, if you have a show, I'd love to come see you guys too. Uh, it's good to catch up again. So 
And without further ado, that's been the Musicians Insider for today. Thank you very much for being on here. You're welcome. This is a lot of fun.